congratulations on the book. Thank you. And uh, welcome back to Flow. Thanks <laughs> so for we're having me back. For a little bit of yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, last episode was a fan favorite for sure because everybody knows what a big fan of your work I am. How Thank important you. it's been to my life. What a what an impact it's had. And now here you are, um, you know, delivering a sort of a different way to help eradicate poverty, and that is to get the word out to help people differentiate. And so. My question for you is, what have you been doing with your book launch or even just the business that you're most focused on to be different? Like, how are you applying the principles yourself to the current oh, so, you're yeah. working on? I'm leaning into it. Yeah, it, st- it first starts with a belief that if the work I or you, we believe in to be a superior offer for our prospects, that we have a responsibility to market accordingly. We, we, we can't be made, we can't be ignorable. We, we can't be not noticed because- that means the customer or client is hiring or using someone that's a disservice to them compared to us. Um, so that's actually a disservice of us to them if we don't market. And mm-hmm. I, I believe the the books I do truly are the best of me. And um, I, I'm not trying to strong arm or manipulate people to buying my book or someone else, but I think I have to at least get them to a level of awareness where they can make an educated choice. Most authors, when it comes to promoting, um, do email blasts, the podcast road show, um, maybe they'll make a launch video. And um, the first lesson from Get Different is whatever the common practice is, that is not going to likely work. <laughs> we have to challenge mm-hmm. it. So don't replicate, either modify the medium you're using. So if everyone's doing email blasts, use a different medium, you know, radio shows or something, and or do the same medium, but a different method. So one mm-hmm. example of what I did, this is a long way to get to your question. No, 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 please. I love these details. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, was I noticed that my contemporaries, other authors would do email blasts in black and white text, or sometimes throw a picture in saying, get my book. I was like, okay, black and white text is the common approach. How can I use this medium in an uncommon way? What if I did like white text against a white background? And uh, that makes it effectively impossible to read. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I sent out an email that the the first line wasn't black text, and it said, "This is likely the first ever Invisible Ink email." Um, <laughs> below is a message for you. Click and drag with your mouse to reveal it. And yeah. you know when you highlight over white text on a white background, now it gets popped with that blue, and you could read it. That email, the open rate, three to four times what I got. The click through rate was even a greater multiple. And what I pointed to was the key elements I teach in the book is first, you must do something that's different because different garners attention, Mm. but then you also have to be attractive. It has to garner the right attention. You know, I could dress like Bozo the Clown. I'll get attention, but does that appeal to people? Most people know. And um, what's attractive about invisible ink emails, it harkens to the past. It evokes curiosity. What is this message? I've never seen this before. And the third element has to have a direct meaning now that someone's consumed or is engaged with your marketing, what do you want them to do with this? Mm. And so in that email, very quickly, I got to the point saying, I have a new book that teaches you exactly what I'm showing you right now and hundreds of other methods that you can use. Go here to buy the book. And uh, that that was one example I used to, That's to great so effect. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. I, mean, I would immediately, you're like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to own that one. That's, <laughs> it's yeah. really good. It totally is because you are displaying the work. You're eating your own dog food. You're displaying right. it. And and then going to the, uh, 
you're hooking very uniquely, but then you're immediately kind of providing the what, like get to the point kind of thing. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, authors, different people in this space take too long to get to the point. And because of the attention span we have today, it's like, if you can't hook them and then move them into action immediately, you tend to lose them. So it's like, oh, cool, nice gimmick, Mike. But you were smart enough to go, no, no, no. And let me tell you that this is yeah, one of the hundred ways. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I think we have been jaded by the great illusion of mass marketing. And uh, if, if you watch the next Super Bowl, you're going to see Budweiser. And it's going to be the same thing. They're going to have you know those clopping Clydesdale, snow coming down, Dalmatian runs by, and a beer truck. Yeah. What they do is is interesting is they are to a degree, it's different in that it's fresh and new. So different is is fresh. It's unexpected. And there's curiosity building up to it. Like, what's the commercials going to look like this year? It's attractive in a case that we want to insert ourselves in a story. I, I want to be in that snowy little mid-America town. But it doesn't have a direct. It doesn't say like, you know, mm. scan this QR code uh, and get a coupon for a six-pack. They would get hundreds of thousands, yeah. perhaps millions of signups in one commercial if they did that. But they don't. And so we think that's good marketing. It's not. Mm, Here's why it works for Budweiser. I I looked this up. Anheuser-Busch has a $1.3 billion marketing budget. $1.3 billion for marketing alone. Their goal is not to convert. Their goal is to program. And they're doing it by, you know, you you watch it since the day you're born until the day you turn 21. And they hope on that 21st birthday, when you walk into the liquor store, you're like, I got to crack a bud because that's what I've been programmed to Mm -hmm. do. It's mindshare. That that is a fabulous approach when you have a $1.3 billion budget. Small business, you know, generally the budget is nothing or can I afford this? That's kind of how we judge it. We get one shot at this. So that direct is absolutely imminent. It's so important. So that's one of my biggest gripes with big brand marketing. And actually, sure, they do have a massive budget and they could just sit around and build brand. But wouldn't it be better if they actually had a direct call to action or if they differentiated some way? I mean, I know. they would get the best of both worlds. They would get the brand, they would get the programming, and then they would get the action. It's and unbelievable. All, all these big CMOs at these big companies, I'm always like, dude, your ways are done, obsolete. In this new world... Like if you're not constantly building, you know, digging moats and differentiating and and really drawing people to take action immediately, I think you lose them. I don't think we're in that world of big brand anymore. I oh, I 100 percent agree. And one of the big companies is going to get it. Maybe it's Coors beats up yes. on Bud, or maybe but but one gets it, and that's when the entire kingdom collapses. But you know, what's funny is this is very common. It's not just big businesses. All business falls into it. This is how we do things down on the farm. The industry Mm -hmm. follows the protocol of the industry. And that's why different is so easiest, but also so uh, obtuse or or hard to get a wrap around because we're like, but no one does this. I interviewed uh, Jesse Cole. He's the founder of the Savannah Bananas baseball team. Mm -hmm. And his baseball team, they're uh, a college all-star team. They compete like minor leagues and stuff. All of his competitors, the other teams, they, their average attendance is about 300 people per game. He gets 5,000 per game. And he's done this for six seasons in a row. And what he hmm. does is different. He does different marketing. He does different entertainment. It is a different experience. And his competitors see it happening. They call him and say, how do you do this? And he says, just attend the game. And they do. And then they don't replicate. Because right, But this isn't how baseball runs. It's so hard for us to wrap around something that worked so well for so long that now there's something new. We, we just can't 
grasp it, it seems. Hmm. Yeah, it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of almost courage. I want to go back to something you said in the beginning, which is like what I heard is that you have to have belief. And I know it sounds a little yeah. like wishy-washy and what does that mean? But I, I got it. The moment you said that, I'm like, yeah, that's so fundamentally that's true. Because so, so many people fail to market their product or service or themselves because everyone's marketing themselves now because they have some sort of identity crisis and that's they right. don't fundamentally believe in what they're selling. But if you believe that your product solution is the better solution, you have a duty. And I just want to highlight that because I think that's the most important part of all of this because once you have that belief, then you can sit around and go, all right, guys, what are we going to do to really get different? Because we fundamentally believe in what we're doing and we know that it deserves that level of effort, that level of time and energy. And then you can kind of get behind it and get your team behind it as well, because you're, you're sort of programming yourselves as a company like this is important for us to get out there. Do, do you, yes, agree you have that, that mission? That's... That... Yeah, yeah you... I 100% agree. You need that mission. We need that purpose. Because we have to combat the devil sitting on our shoulders. It's actually the angel and the devil. And how it plays out is this. Uh, the angel is saying, we, the world needs you. Get the word out. But the devil is saying, if you market, you're going to embarrass yourself. You'll be rejected. You'll be bothersome. And uh, this, this, this harkens back to when we were cave dwellers. If you rewind back to that day, if you and I were in the same tribe, and you're like, hey, let's go hunt a woolly mammoth. And the tribe's like, yes, sir. And they start going. And I'm like, no, we're going after a saber-toothed tiger. I am rejecting the tribe's wish. Therefore, I'm rejected. Uh, I'm standing out. I'm being different. And uh, if I don't work with the community collectively, I'm as good as dead. Back in the cave to our days, mm. not doing what everyone else did meant death. Fast forward, our reptilian part of our brain still goes, not doing what everyone else is doing is death. So you're going to die. And so we actually have these fears uh, subconsciously kind of stew up. It's like, I can't market. What if I embarrass myself? What if people mm. notice? So the devil says, don't get noticed. Angel says, you need to get noticed because the world needs you. So we want to be noticed without being noticeable. We, right. we want to different, be different without differentiating ourselves. It's, it's bizarre. The only mm. way I found to overcome the devil is through purpose or mission saying, I know I have these fears. And every time I put marketing out there, including the invisible ink, I'm like, oh my God, how are people going to respond to this? Am I going to be right. hated by everyone? But the bigger voice now is the angel saying, I have books that I believe in. I believe I need to and can eradicate entrepreneurial poverty if I get the word out and if I'm a service. I have to market accordingly. That voice, if I can make it big enough, it'll squelch the devil. <laughs> the marketing one devil. The, the marketing devil. One of the other things that you do, Mike, that I've noticed is you keep everything really fun. Um, oh, thank you. Have you always been that way? Was this a post sort of entrepreneurial crisis thing where you were like, I need to make this fun? Or even before you learned all of this, were you trying to do your best to just keep it light and keep it fun and, and have this unique approach to it? Always been this way. And, and yeah, it's hard to know that. Um, looking back, it's like, was I that way? Do I don't, cause you know, I have a very certain framing about myself. Was I a good student? And I wasn't. What? I was, what I realized, and I think we all should do, Armand, is I sent an email out, or you could do it in many fashions, but email's best, to people who knew me back in the school days um, that I haven't talked to in, in, in decades, uh, and people know me today, and people in between. And I, and I simply said, how do you remember me? What makes me different? What stands out about me? And I looked for the common thread, and it was like, you were always on the silly side. Um, you had a, a, an ability to make these really complex, crazy things real 
digestible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you made it lighthearted and fun and, and, and you were self-deprecating. And it's like, oh, okay. And I saw that common thread play out. Mm. I'm like, oh yeah, that is who I am. Our marketing has to be an amplification of our true selves. And I, I believe this emphatically because the only experience people have with you until they experience working with your business is the marketing experience. Mm. You know, if, if they only experienced your business, they would know who you are. But before that, they have to be attracted to you some way. Someone refers you, you have a marketing campaign. There's going to be something. And if they hear something different than they experience, then there's this great disconnect. It's disingenuous. And, yeah. and I listen, I see this on Zoom all the time. I, I was on a Zoom <laughs> conference this morning. And like I'm on there. There's like 20 people. It's it's just a big sync up uh, with it, with one of these corporations we're working with. As one picture comes up, I'm like, wow, that person's awfully young to be on this call. Just based upon the nature of what we're talking about, I'm expecting people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. This person was... 18. I'm like, wow, it was just their picture. Then they turn on their camera and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you've aged 35 years in a millisecond. You know, I was like, I was like, what's your grandma doing here? And yeah. um, it oh was, my it, God. It, it is a disingenuine moment. It's we're putting ourselves out in one way that we find most compelling and attractive, right. but the real, and now I'm like, oh, this is inauthentic. Yeah. That's just an example. But I see this play out in marketing saying, you know, we're the most fun company ever. Check out our fun marketing. And you go there and there are all these nappy naysayers. And now we don't want to do business with them. Your marketing has to be consistent with who you are. So it's an amplification of who you are. You could even call it a slightly exaggerated maybe version. Would that be fair? Yeah. yeah, I love the word amplification. Yeah. That's that's a good word. That's a really good word. So it has to be consistent though. Has to be consistent. Choose those idiosyncrasies about you and lean into them. Mm. I, I'm goofy. Uh, I amplify that throughout my website and all my marketing material. I, at home, am I that way at home? No. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit boring, but it is mm. abs- that goofiness is absolutely an ele- element of me that I lean into. Uh, am I extremely serious as, as, as a person? Is that my default? No. I, I get serious. Am I extremely serious? No. And therefore, my marketing doesn't lean into that because that would be a disconnect. Mm, yeah. I mean, you're so right, though, especially in today's age. Like so many people are trying to create marketing from scratch that they think is like they just replicate. Right. So they just go, OK, this seemed to work for this other e-commerce brand. So yeah. I'm launching, um, you know, my own sort of let's just say laundry detergent. And this other yeah. company that I studied does a funny commercial but yeah. their brand is not funny. It's completely serious. It's all about the environment. It's all about the the sustainability. But then I see, and this is a real example I'm, I'm actually talking about. And they tried to create like a funny version of their own video and it doesn't translate. It doesn't connect because it's all about sustainability and, you know, being environmentally friendly. But the one that they're competing against is like, men who want to smell good, you know? And of course that makes sense. It's actually called laundry sauce. It's a friend of mine's company and he does a really cool, funny commercial and everyone tries to replicate that. And it just, it just doesn't work. The consumer has an extraordinary sniffer. Like we can smell Mm. an inconsistency, a lie so quickly. It was a survival mechanism. Like, you know, back in the cave dweller days, if I'm like, Hey, go, go in that cave and get some, Meat, meat. Uh, I checked in there already. Every animal's dead. There's no bears or saber tooth tigers. You big, uh, yeah, right, bro. You could sniff out the lie right, right. away because your survival base was based upon that. We are really good 
when we feel an inconsistency, that tingling happens, like, I don't like this, something's wrong here, and we avoid it. And that's why inconsistency in marketing is so easy to sniff out. Yeah. The worst thing is to copy someone else. The worst thing is to copy someone else if it's not authentically who you are. It has to be consistent throughout. Hmm. That's super true. I think especially in America, like in the Western world in general, we're really good at sniffing out inauthentic bullshit type of behavior. Like even people have like a word for it now. It's like, oh, that was cringe. Well, what does cringe really mean? Cringe means that it just felt inauthentic and lame and fake. And people feel that immediately. You're so right that it's like a like a deeper thing there. So what, what are some of the other things that uh, either you, you've done recently or you talk about in the book that like, you know, are part of sort of the, the protocol here, different model, getting different. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll do, I'll I'll give you a a tip of what you can do. You can copy this, this strategy specifically, but also it's a way to sniff out new ideas, Hmm. whatever garners your attention naturally, not that you're seeking it out. You just, as you go through daily life, if it gets your attention, it probably passed the different test. Now, remember, I was on a flight. This is about six months ago, all masked up and stuff. And everyone gets on a plane. I'm sitting there too on my phone, trying to get on the internet. And all these hotspots pop up. And one of them says the CIA. And I go, that's kind of cute. That's cute. And then I sat there and said, hold on. That caught my attention. I was noticing the hotspots. Like, oh, what if I set up a hotspot that promotes my book? Like, mm. I get different on Amazon. And I'm like, what if it's not a hotspot? What if I get a wireless access point? They make these on Amazon. You can buy them. 20 bucks, it broadcasts, it covers you know 300 square feet. You can get a whole plane. And I was like, what if I go to a conference? Well, so what I did was when I speak at conferences now, I have my backpack and in there, I have a wireless access point with a battery <laughs> that the access point says, buy, get different on Amazon. I go to the AV booth. When I arrive at the event and say, hey, I'm speaking later today. Can I leave my backpack here? They're like, no problem. I'm broadcasting. You know, Sometimes there's hundreds or thousands of people walking into the room and what are they all doing before the event starts? Stay on the phone. I've had now on multiple occasions after I speak, people come up and say, you wouldn't believe this. The event is marketing your book over the Wi-Fi. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? $25. Yeah. And the, the, listen, is that resulting in extraordinary numbers of book sales? No. Is it extraordinary or different from what everyone else is doing? Absolutely. Does it garner more attention? Absolutely. I'm distinguishing mm-hmm. myself in those environments. These are all what I call experiments very inexpensive. And I can see what, what it results in. In fact, on the video here, you can see this tree behind me is a bookshelf mm-hmm. that came out of a marketing experiment. I looked for the common noise, which is the common approach of other authors. They all have yeah. standard bookshelves with their books primarily displayed. Right. It's always the same. So I was like, what would be an atypical method of displaying books? I'm like, Oh, a weird looking bookshelf that looks like a tree and it works. When I do presentations virtually, which now is like 50% of my presentations, I'll see in the chat, people just put their thoughts out there. Like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting tree that guy's got behind him. What's on there. Oh, those are books. And someone's like, Oh yeah, I've read some of his books. And then there's a whole discussion about my books because I have a weird tree behind me. Hmm. I was actually going to comment on it. Cause I already see the, oh, difference the two times we talked. Yeah. You had, you had a different bookshelf before, and this is super unique. That's and right. What does that, what does that say behind you as well? Oh, be you all you always. So that's another thing I'm testing. That's just a generic message. It's something I believe that we have to distinguish ourselves. But when I do virtual events, uh, I put their name up there. That's a Dale Carnegie method. He said the most attractive name in the English language is your own name, or the the most attractive words are your own name. So I put the conference name up there, and people are like, oh, my God, you're so unique. You're so different. Hmm. So it's another marketing technique. 
Yeah, and it really is. I think a lot of these experiments, as we perform them, they can compound over time as well. So That's it's correct. like, sure, when you're in a conference room and you have a 300-foot radius to put your Wi-Fi signal out there and people become aware of it, it's kind of like a, a walking billboard. And But that impact, as we know, like can really compound over time. And I think they say this about books or products in general, that you need to hear about it seven times or something like that before you actually pull the trigger. I don't know if that's true. You you probably know better, but I think there is something to these ideas of just like guerrilla unique style marketing. And a lot of people are a little afraid of trying these things because they're a little different and wacky. But as you said, that's the only way to stand out these days. There's no other way to stand out. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know how many times it takes every time better have that trigger in it. So let's not fall on that Budweiser. Oh, I just had a cute commercial going right. every time I got to ask. So when I do that Wi-Fi thing where it says buy, get different, on Amazon, the direct is built into it. And it doesn't right. mean everyone will. In fact, the majority won't. But if they see other flavors of that one time, they'll say, oh, this is for me. And the trigger better be there for them to take action. Yeah, absolutely. So are you seeing so far today, like people taking some of these experiments, integrating them into their businesses, like across certain industries? Do you see any like unique case studies out there from people that you've worked with or anything that you even highlighted, like stories in the book that I can read, people can read, they'd find it. Yeah. So a couple examples, a barber shop, I put them in the book in mm -hmm. uh, Sacramento, California. Woo, um, that's my hometown. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Iverson's barbershop. Okay. And what's so fascinating was he leaned into the, the COVID pandemic. There was a, another barbershop that said, this is when they were doing shutdowns and so forth that said, yeah. we don't care about the law, come to our barbershop. And the right customer was attracted by that for them. And they were flocked customers. Well, this guy was the other extreme. He said, you know, COVID, if he cared for his mother, it's like, it's too dangerous. He goes, we're going to be the extreme clean barbershop. And he leaned into it. He started doing posting videos of how they disinfect after every time a client comes in there and showing the whole process, how they were using hospital grade cleansers and stuff like that. And he started building a reputation there. So he just he leaned into who he naturally was and to your earlier point, amplified it. Um, there's a story of a, uh, 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 basically an outsourcing company who uh, sent out to prospects a baseball cap that said thinking cap and says, you're doing too much and you're not thinking enough. If you can relate to that, throw on your thinking cap, we'll do the doing for you. And, hmm. you know, a little tchotchke thing, but it was like, oh my gosh, they, they, they turned it into an activity um, and, and made it fun. Uh, and they, they won a load of business that way. Hmm. Um, a gym. Um, I noticed gyms, these fitness studios, you go by them and it's always these before and after pictures, you know, schlubby person turns into a ripped person <laughs> and you see yeah. before and after clients. It's so habituated. I mean, we see it so much, it gets ignored. So uh, we have one company in Salt Lake City set up mirrors. We took from fun houses with two mirrors. Uh, a one that made you look short and squat. One that made you look tall and lean. And before, above the short and squat one, it said before. And the other one said after. So now people are walking mm. by. Instead of seeing clients, they saw themselves in the mirrors, start taking pictures of their own That's before and awesome. afters. And there was a sign right next to it that says, we just transformed you in a mirror. Let's do this in real life. Come inside. Mm. And their foot traffic jumped significantly. Hmm. So, you know, in summary, some of you, you, hear, you hear these things, it's like, oh, it sounds gimmicky. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't care what label we sign to it. If it works, that's marketing I want. Um, yes. The, the essence is it just has to garner attention by being different than what everyone else is doing. I love it, man. I'm so glad you wrote this book. I can't wait to dig into it myself. Um, 
And this is always so fun to do with you. I really appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Any like call to action, last words, recommendations for people watching and listening? Yeah, I'll, I'll, the call to action would be send out an email of people I've known in the past and future uh, and current to see what makes it different. Here's my mm-hmm. last words. I really believe if you are better than the competition in some capacity, I'm not saying in every way, but in some capacity, faster, care more, you have a responsibility to market. The, the world is starving to discover better. They are starving to discover you. you need to market accordingly. Awesome, man. I have to say that asking that question and having the the courage, honestly, to go back to old friends and ask that question is some serious like Jedi mind tricks shit. Because you can really reverse engineer what makes you unique by just talking to some of the people closest to you. And then if you amplify that, like you're you're gold. In fact, I think it's a way to also uncover your own personal strengths in business, how to apply yourself. I've actually written about that before. So it's so funny you talk about that because I think like the fastest way to build self-awareness is by having the courage to ask other people, what is special and unique about me? It's exactly true. Yeah, man. You rock. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, brother. Thank you.